Hello, I'm your host, Samuel Hansen, and you are listening to Strongly Connected Components, episode 26, brought to you by AcmeScience.com. My guest on today's episode is Fan Chung, professor at the University of California, San Diego. We talk about research and graph theory, her time at Bell Labs, and just why it is important to have collaborators while working in mathematics. Here we go. Joining me on Strongly Connected Components today, I have Fan Chung, professor from the University of California, San Diego. I believe technically you are a professor in mathematics, internet mathematics, and computer science. Do I have that correct? Yes. <laughs> uh, happy to be here. Yes. Uh, well, I'm, I'm very, very happy to uh, have you. Uh, now, I just want to get right in with the questions here. As wondering if you could uh, give a little bit of a background as to why you decided to study mathematics, why this is the area that you ended up spending your life working with. Well, mathematics is, uh, is natural to me. In a sense that, it, if you think about it, it's rather romantic about the notion of, of absolute truth, pursuing uh, without the gray area. It's either black or white, either, either true or false. In this world, there are not too many things like this. No, uh, and that's uh, that's very true. If, if I've done my research correctly, I, your father was an engineer, correct? Yes, and he sort of encouraged me to go into math, saying that math is the foundation of science. So if you are good at math, you can move into any area with ease. Uh, and he's absolutely right, but um, I have been enjoying doing math so much that I never really move into other areas, but <laughs> that's quite a bit of my work. It's mathematics underneath, but it can be called all sorts of other things as well. So, in fact, my work sort of uh, was the basic part in mathematical study of discrete structures, graphs, um, networks, but uh, with applications in many areas, in computing, in uh, internet search, in differential geometry, <laughs> and other things. At, at this uh, era, anything you do sort of with a discrete flavor in dealing all things information age and sort of looking at the mathematical aspects of it. Now, it's, I completely agree with you there, and, and one of the things you've been looking at uh, recently as far as this internet aging is you've been uh, doing some mathematical analysis of the PageRank algorithm from uh, the one that Google uses, correct? 
Right. Now, uh, you've given you've even given a talk about this at the joint maths meeting, I believe, back in 2008. Just wondering a little bit about what you have been uh, looking at about PageRank or what about PageRank really uh, grabbed your uh, grabbed your mind and made you want to study it. Yes. Uh, see, even this program has a network flavor. It's called only connected components. <laughs> So at the at the heart of Google's successful search algorithm is the notion of page rank. So basically, we have all these real networks of various types. So for example, every web page is a node. And every hyperlink, if you put a link there, then there's an edge between these web sites. And uh, so it forms a network. So the main innovation is that a new way of doing search, in, instead of the pattern matching, which is very time consuming, just forget about all patterns instead of just link, looking at a linkage structure. In other words, it, you're looking at network, a graph underneath. And every link is like a boat. If you get a lot of links, that's more important. But see, this notion is very important because the usual graph theory, which are the mathematical study of these networks, usually talking about how far and how close two uh, nodes are from each other by how many halves they are uh, to reach from one point to another. But the fact is we live in a small world network. <laughs> Anything is, you might have heard about six degree of separation or how many yes. clicks you can reach from one to another. So the usual distance is not of very good use, not contain enough information in a way. So we need more quantitative parameter, quantitative correlation among how nodes are really close or far from each other. And that's where page rank, rank is coming in. It's, it can be computed very fast. It's really based on a well-studied um, subject called random walks and can be analyzed very nicely, too. And I've been using it. In fact, um, a couple more uh, things that we can be, we have been working on and you can be used to uh, determine this, how to scale things a very large network, uh, which part you should look first <laughs> and how to move up and down, you know, scale and yep. find clusters, identify communities, deciding which part is more important than the other. So, um, and that has a lot to do, for, for example, with auction gains, among other things. So, so it has a, a wide range of applications not just for web search. Oh, well, that's, I, I should have thought about that in the past, but somehow it managed to slip my mind that PageRank would be used for anything else. Now, uh, this, this kind of uh, connecting something, you know, something from 
one specific application and using it in something else is uh, very exemplary of uh, your research particularly. What really taught you that you could take something from one area of mathematics and use it in another, which is something that is, is starting to become a bit of an issue as we narrow, as we become more narrow as uh, mathematicians? Well, uh, I think my main area really is spectral graph theory. I always try to explain. Suppose you have a very large network. Right? The last thing you want to do is to check out every node, yeah. one after another. You can't afford to. So really, it should be viewed as a galaxy far, far away. So in spite of you have a huge galaxy very, very far, far away, uh, however, you can get a great deal of information out of it just by analyzing its spectrum, the light going through. <laughs> this, you can see a few um, the spectrum analysis, which is not so far away from the physical one, but you have a network, you grab a few major and use it to predict or capture or utilize its structure and its behavior. So that's probably all mathematicians trying to do, dealing with a very complicated subject, but you would like to have some kind of control using relatively few quantities that you have, can grab at hand, in hand. I mean, in a way, a lot of uh, information theory or other things will tell you you can't do that. You know, hard to do that. <laughs> you can try stop people from trying. Usually, you would like to know. Okay, if you are going to have congestion, if the thing is uh, secure, all these things you want to get a yes or no answer for a very complicated, large subject. So you would like to be able to have a few key things, key parameters you can have a say about it, about the, these questions, right? And that's basically what we are we are doing with a lot of these networks. Uh, now, one thing I, I want to kind of track back a little bit more to uh, your career as a mathematician. Now, after you got uh, your Ph.D. from uh, University of Pennsylvania, you ended up working at the rather famous mathematical research center, uh, Bell Laboratories in Murray Hill, New yes. Jersey. Yes. Well, I went to grad school uh, at the time. I, I thought I would do either algebra or analysis, number theory, probably. But one day, my advisor walked into my office and gave me a problem. And my advisor is Herb Wills, a wonderful teacher. And uh, that started me into this area called combinatorics. Uh, which includes graph theory, the study of networks. And I've been very happy doing that ever since. Sort of uh, found 
what I should do from the, my area. When I finished my grad school, so I've been work, happily working on Herb's problem, and he's such a wonderful teacher, always gave me problems that I can figure out a, a little bit more to say about it. So, in fact, I remember I had a great time at the time, solved quite a few problems that Herb told me. And after that, when I got out of the grad school, it was sort of the very uh, tough time for getting a job. In fact, at that time, probably even worse than why it is now. Wow. But anyway, at the time, I was very lucky to have, because I have some written some papers, joint papers already started with people at the lab, so they gave me a sort of like a postdoc position. I went there and over there, which Bill Labs at its best base was a wonderful place to be. You can feel all these problems just floating around in the corridor. If you reach your hand out far enough, then you catch them. And so I was working on all sorts of problems popping up there and uh, managed to solve a few of them. And within one month, they they changed my job into a permanent position. <laughs> and that was quite nice. And I was very happy at Bell Labs, which is a really a very unique and dynamic place in the sense that it is possible to cross the boundary of different disciplines. Because if you have problems, many of them are very good ones because they are really motivated by very good usage of them. Then uh, if you want to solve the problems, it doesn't matter. You are coming from the edge break angle or from the algorithm angle. You use all the tools throw all the dots on the board, right? Use all the tools at your disposal. So although I I, I was uh, there at the beginning and um, really with all training in mathematics, but started to have a lot of problems from different areas. And that is really one uniquely wonderful thing about Bell Labs that you can cross the boundaries uh, so easily. And it, it is a fact that I miss somewhat when I'm in the academic setting. In fact, nowadays I have a joint appointment in mathematics and also in computer science and engineering at UCSD. So it is already by definition I'm moving across these two areas with students in both departments. But I also understand the usual academic review process is very much against crossing different boundaries because a peer review is usually conducted by people in one group or another. On the other hand, I believe a lot of most beautiful or wonderful work, even if you trace to the early days of mathematics, such heavy influence by physics 
And nowadays, the inference is coming from the uh, information science, information technology side. Uh, so many, uh, I would say, really rich source of great problems that uh, really can use all these wonderful, you know, cleverness, wisdom in mathematics to to help out. And it's happening, but uh, more and more, if you look at, for example, some, uh, a lot of, uh, a lot of areas in computer science, not only the theory, of course, the theory of computer science always use a lot of mathematics, but if you really look at computer vision, so there is a lot of work there actually use spectral graph theory, which is the area I'm in. Uh, in computer vision, they use very sophisticated mathematical tools. In a way, uh, the area evolved and really developed its depth and and, and mathematics is the uh, the language of science. It's the provides the tools and the insight. Uh, for example, we are dealing with graphs so large. The usual brute force hacking is not going to get you very far. How do you find the need needle in the hay haystack? Yeah. Right. So uh, if you look at, especially if it is discrete, if it it is continuous, then it comes as a whole piece. But if it is discrete, you have all these zero and one bits. Uh, one analogy is that they are like sand in the on the beach here. And one way to deal with it is to find its mutual relation to link them together. So when you try to pick up something, you pick up a string of them. They are all interconnected, like your connected component. Then uh, that gives you a way to deal with them. Now, I want to talk about another thing here. You've been talking a lot about uh, problems and how you get problems by uh, connecting together different things, specifically in this case, uh, information theory and mathematics. Now, another way that you can uh, do this is by talking to a lot of people and working with a lot of people. And this is something that you are definitely acutely aware of, as if you're, uh, if the information I grabbed off your website, if I wrote it down correctly, uh, is that you've had 120 different co-authors, and or approximately 120. And now, I was, I was wondering what, uh, what was kind of the impetus behind really working collaboratively in at such a wide scale? Well, I know that um, doing mathematics, many people might think it's uh, sort of a solo kind of activity in the, uh, working in the epic somewhere. But the fact is a large part of it is not quite like that. We exchange information with our friends and colleagues and uh, find out what's what's happening, what's going on. It's a language that you run into people always, run into other mathematicians, you always have common topic 
and common interest. So very often, one way of instead of talking about politics or weather is to exchange a problem or two. Because nowadays all these papers are quite accessible, and people will uh, write to each other talking about these problems. So in a way, it's a social activity. So there's really a large social network, uh, and a lot of these mathematical social activity lead to joint papers. So I enjoy writing some, working on some problems by myself, but I also enjoy working on a lot of problems with my friends. And in fact, if if the collaboration leads to joint papers, then that really is an indicator that your friendship moves into a different stage. You have joint folders together. Um, the joint problems together, and I actually have a set of uh, collaborators that we write papers year after year, and that is really the best date. That that lifetime kind of friends and and uh, and uh, collaboration uh, always have a lot of interesting to uh, things to tell each other about. I'm not saying one thing that that is the thing that that everybody is supposed to do or not. But I I just want to say that is a very enjoyable mode of of uh, working on mathematical problems. Sort of the sharing aspect usually make the mathematics much better because everybody bring different strengths and different. Flavor and some of my co-authors are my best, uh, are really the best teachers because you learn from your peers, and especially at the level of uh, co-authors, there's a really a sh- sharing component to all this. So that uh, include people I know. Uh, no better or no very very best. My husband Ron Grant is one is probably because of the you know because I see him so often. Yes. So we actually have very large number of joint papers. <laughs> Something I I actually lost count. Probably close to seventy eighty papers. I think it really broadened our the bandwidth of our communication. Put it this way, we have many different ways to communicate with each other, and writing joint papers really helped in that aspect. Of course, you know, as co-authors, especially such close co-authors, there are problems going with it too. We might argue about how the abstract should be written, among many other things. But uh, all in all, I think it's really very, very wonderful and enjoyable to have these extra dimensions with uh, with strong. Now, you you have a really nice article on your website that's entitled "A Few Words on Research for Graduate Students," and anyone who is thinking about doing some research should probably go out and read it. And one thing that you mention in there is is don't wait, just get started. 
Now, it, I, I understand that that's uh, kind of how I ended up starting doing research myself, but a lot of people don't quite understand that you are able to just get started. So uh, for the people listening in who are thinking about maybe starting to get uh, starting to get going in research, what sort of advice would you give them about just getting started? In, indeed, the first step is always the hardest. That's why I say that don't wait, because mathematics is so huge. You cannot wait until you figure out everything, <laughs> because nobody does. So uh, just pick something you have feelings about and increase your chance by interacting with people. Go to talks, talk to visitors, and pick up more problems and try them, and then decide which one you like better. Like I said, you know, selection and taste in picking problems. There's a lot to be said about it, but for a young, young guy, don't worry about that. Just try anything. <laughs> anything you find interesting. It has to be interesting to you, though. Only if it is very interesting to you, you'll keep you thinking day and night. It will give you an edge. It'll give you your unique perspective that that you'll that you'll have a better chance to get somewhere with it. And of course, it doesn't hurt to study graph theory, correct? Well, it is <laughs> such a lovely object, and nowadays. As you know, graph theory is the foundation for so-called network science, the science for studying networks. And there are so many new problems and directions, and uh, with the increasing impact richness. So, so I certainly would encourage everybody to uh, to take a look. And and in, also, I should say it has the advantage of easy to get in, but of course, easy to get in, but it will be particularly effective if you can also pick up a few tools on the way. For example, combinatorial probabilistic method or the analytic method, the spectral graph theory. So with the more geometrical approach in the analysis. So you have a few tools your sleeve, then uh, it'll be a lot easier. Otherwise, a lot of these graph theory problems simply stated, but where you where you find the handle in order to really grasp it and being able to make progress. So I think tools are important too. Okay. Uh, well, thank you very much for joining me on Strongly Connected Components. Well, it's my pleasure. Thank you. Well, that is it for another episode of Strongly Connected Components. I want to thank you very much for listening as well as still being subscribed and listening to this even though it's been quite a while since I released a new one. I will try to keep up a more regular schedule for the next few months at the very least. And if you feel like yelling at me about not sending out enough of these, you can always send me an email, samuel at acmescience.com. I would also love to hear the names or general ideas for new guests on this program. I'm always looking for 
interesting voices within mathematics. I'd love to hear who you all think I should have on. Now, the music is from SP12 as far as the outro grows. You can find them over at opsound.org. And the intro is by Hard and Firm. The song is Pie off their album Horses and Grasses. I want to thank Hard and Firm again, even though I doubt that they're listening to this, for letting me use that song for the intro. It's been great. Also, if you want to find out more about Fan Chung, make sure to head on over to acmescience.com where you'll see the blog post write-up of this episode and catch a few links over to the things she does that are available on the internet. This podcast is, of course, licensed under Creative Commons Attribution Share Alike. If you don't know what that means, please look it up. Creative Commons is awesome. Thank you once again for listening, and have a great week. <laughs>